Hello, and welcome to a Mind Matters podcast presented by A Light for Change, where we discuss the who, what, where, why, and how we as a community can make positive changes. The when is up to all of us, and it starts with you. Before I start, let's get into a positive zone, and I'll share my thoughts on a question from Graduate Thrivers Positive Attitude Cards. The card drawn is yellow for forethought, and the question is, what would you do if someone was mean to you? Perceiving someone as being mean is very situational. I believe our behaviors result from personal thought process, so I would likely analyze the situation to determine what may have been the cause and determine my role in the effects playing out. Within the same few seconds this is happening, I would engage in neutralizing conversation. If I calculate the negative interaction was an extension of their mindset, triggered beyond my control, I would encourage it with a seed of positivity. If I determined myself to be the cause, I would excuse and remedy. If the incident was unjustified and contriving, I would likely point out the behavior was a result of personal feelings and not the fault of others. To step out and take a breath and seek a better solution. If I have one, I will offer it, but not impose. This is Season 2, The Role We Play, Episode 22. The big picture is seen when all the parts of the story are understood. It is important to share knowledge learnt through history. It guides us away from repeated behavior, reminds us of truth and transformation, and gives comfort that life always finds a way to keep going. Knowledge is one of the most powerful aspects of humanity, so it must be repeated by disseminating all the sides of the coin. The enmeshed ambivalence of mixed emotions and perspectives and the importance of vestigial traits that break into parts affecting many stories. This allows the receiver to keep truth at the center of any open-minded discussion they make thereafter, with this as consideration thereforward. Humanity is always learning through the collective experience, still only a young adult in comparison to the growth we are still capable of. Many lessons were learned from devastating lapses in judgment, It would define insanity to forget such things, allowing future generations to repeat the same results. Respect the emotional and intellectual growth that came from the trials and tribulations of our ancestors. Every battle faced, individual or cultural, had more than one participant that felt the impacts. The victor always tells their story the loudest, but so many chain reactions are created. A loss motivates as much as it defeats and a win can steal your drive as much as boost your ego. Even the retelling of a story on all sides elicits emotion in the person who hears it. Of course, it ripples through history more when propaganda spreads it, and eventually the truth gets muddled amongst the thousands of perspectives that now surround the moment, long gone. Controlling the way information is whispered into the ears of generations is vital. The individual must hold this responsibility because a society is controlled through reaction to reinformation, forever manipulated to produce results. Even our educational system can use a revamp, as we have seen the results of altering history, impacting societal structure. If the truth had been told of our darker historical hours, due respect could have been given earlier. People chose at the time based on facts that they had at hand. Again, proving how examining all sides would have helped. The instilled divide in races was successful. What was done was done, wrong or not, and we eventually found our way to the path of consciously loving humanity. 
However, the scars still run deep in the fabric of society, urging emotional reaction every day. From the day we are born, we are impacted by the chain reactions of history. Our parents instill rules and base parenting styles on the life they had, seeking to always protect what they love. Each person you recross is reacting based on data their brain collected as they experience life. Without understanding of another's point of view, it can be easy for a situation to be misunderstood. Despite our developed conscious state, we still act without thought when faced with uncertainty. My favorite example of this is not my own, but gave me reason to delve into the conversation. I was discussing racism with a gentleman from Jamaica when he gave me examples of receiving suspicious looks from a store clerk and a few other examples. Each time the perpetrator was of a culture also known for receiving the lashing of racist tongues. I pointed out that I felt it odd that someone who felt it would deal it, and we discussed that for hours. In the end, we concluded it was not racism, but classism. The idea that a store owner would fear theft in a low-income area makes it less personal than the situation had appeared to the person I was conversing with. Every time we recall something that happened, it is fueled by the emotion we felt. When a relationship ends, often emotions hurt. From then on, the tales we tell reflect that hurt and negate the good that surely was. Good or bad, the situation results in your judgment of that person. And for you, anyone like them will be labeled as bad, whether they are good or not. We attach emotion to information when we store it. Each of us have some data stored the same because it was emotionally fed to everyone. Like fear of being outcasted, the desire for tangible success, and even things like gender roles for the older folks. The emotion behind all the segments of information form behavior patterns set into our personalities. My father was raised in a household that had clear roles for gender, but loved my mom who didn't fit that mold. Only a handful of times did he comment to my mom his thoughts, but my ears, he filled with indicators that her behavior displeased him. The years of hearing it resulted in me driving myself like a slave to be the woman my dad described as being quality. My adulthood was a time of shared roles, but I refused and permitted the spoils of privilege to tear at the seams of every relationship. Information can be manipulated in so many ways, from simple twists on interpretation to omitted or altered facts, but it's always to improve the conveyance of self. Skeletons are kept in the closet because no one wants to air their dirty laundry in the face of possibility. Sometimes we even use propaganda against others simply to resolve an uncertainty that makes us uncomfortable. I have never denied my many lifestyles that I lived throughout my lifetime, but some people near me knew me when I numbed my addictive behavior, but not in my days as a parent. When my son's life ended, it shocked everyone in our community of acquainted strangers. Many were shocked at the thought that even a happy home could have faced this, knowing me as a parent, but others were shocked at the outpour of interest and assured themselves it couldn't happen to them by sharing their opinion of my earlier drug days being the reason.
Once an addict, always an addict. So I must have caused his afflictions. I had been long sober, but even those who spent hours daily interacting with my family took pause to think. It can do a lot of harm to share an opinion with no facts and should always defer to Socrates' three sieves to sharing knowledge, particularly when recalling history. It is our role in life to ensure we are allowing everyone to share their side of the story, ensuring we understand the chain reactions that flow from our disseminations, respecting the emotional attachment for the that the information holds and not manipulate it to spread propaganda in our favor for our own cause. Robert Evans said it so simply when he said there are three sides to every story, my side, your side, and the truth, and no one is lying. Memories shared serve each one differently. The source of every moment creates a mixture of emotional perspectives that makes the experience different for everyone. Sometimes the difference is slight, while in others it is vast. After the moment is gone, an enmeshed ambivalence forms, like an acceptance to part ways with a difference of opinion. The moment becomes memory for each, with details recorded in mind based on the emotion felt. Every time the same or similar emotion is felt, that little bit of data is recalled along with information from other experiences that produce those emotions. The same process happens even when we don't react with an emotion. We perform an analytic data search, choose a safe behavior, and proceed cautiously on the defense. Uncertainty creates a behavior of emotional bubbles bouncing into each other, vibrating energetic information into the person within. I think we can all relate to feeling these energy bubbles in high school, walking the halls, avoiding certain people, choosing acceptance in the cafeteria or at recess, even when being assigned groups in class. Every second of every day in high school is a fight to survive everyone else. Be it love jitters, competition, fear of bullying, and even expectations. Many of the emotional moments we experience in high school affect us the rest of our life. Some of us want to live in that moment forever, while others want to do whatever it takes to have the opposite. Some get stuck in the mindset of the label they were given, while others shock everyone with the path they take. No matter how your life goes, the history of our high school days are recalled with deep emotion. Recall is mostly subconscious, though we have moments where we actively think back on days gone by. Recall is more of an instantaneous analytic data search like using Google. Details from the source of the moment are received by the senses and a list of possibilities are flashed as thoughts. Just as fast as we choose from Google results, we pick a thought to focus on we think best matches and act with that recalled emotional memory as a guide without even realizing we are doing so. Every time I walk into a room, I innately walk from one side to the other, scanning the personality roles each person is exhibiting in behaviors and instantly make note of how to interact with each relating group. Then I would make a conscious choice which to interact with using a calculated method for success ensuring my experience is optimal and so too safe. This safety behavior allowed me to always present as perfect in any circumstance. Safety behaviors are just that, a way of behaving to ensure 
itself a safe outcome. Some safety behaviors are small and do not manipulate the outcome, like biting your nails when you feel scared or pacing in a sweat when you feel nervous. We do this when we recall an emotional experience as tolerable to a degree we can get through it. Some safety behaviors are to numb, avoid, or escape a, a sensation, which happens when something triggers a recall that experience in play is sure to be intolerable. Some safety behaviors are to ensure courage to get through a moment with best results, like a ball player having a lucky item to ensure a win. I have so many safety behaviors, it's hard to tell what isn't one, but most of them revolve around acceptance and not being a burden in any form. Beyond perfectionism, this extends to my helping nature and solution orientation. There is always a way to solve a problem so everyone is happy, and I will spend an entire camping trip bambling around like a chicken with my head cut off, taking care of everyone's needs so they can just sit and relax, and I go home feeling completely exhausted. Even when we explore a moment with curious intrigue, we approach it with cautious reserve and a defensive air. The memory of our past warns us to be ready for anything. Life has always been full of surprises. It's human nature to present your A-side, putting your best foot forward. It makes a good impression. We're scared of what might happen if someone knew the truth about us, even if it was something as trivial as a quirky talent or weird food preference. Almost everyone wears a mask they were taught to wear by generations. For a good part of my life, I wore whatever mask suited the people I was with. But for the last decade or so, my mask has been a smile. I'm always smiling. I even have a I'm sad, but I'll get through it smile. You really need to see me as a whole to understand my smile language. But my emotions can't burden you, burden you if you perceive me as always positive. It is our role in life to have an open mind when taking due diligence to review a number of possibilities when searching through the recalled data analysis, ensuring we don't use safety behaviors to impede a truthful experience that may bring joy. We must allow our emotional defenses to drop so our personal bubble can allow many to merge for united experiences of joy recalled as a good moment from then on. Invite people to enjoy the truth history has shown us. Life is an experience unique for all of us. No matter what a generation experiences, even the most traumatic events, the knowledge should be shared, but not used to prevent self-discovery and formation of personal meaning for the information shared. Times change as humanity learns, and emotional perspectives change with them, riffling into its vestigial traits. The vestigial traits of historical moment recalled are the many parts the moment broke into that affect the storyline of many moments that came thereafter. Each part of a moment's truth can be recalled in relation to another moment without the unrelated parts to convey the whole truth. The segmenting of a memory allows it to be altered to suit recall. Parts of the omitted or meshed are meshed into other segment memories. Once a memory has been altered, it forces a false presentation of self. Not a lie. The memory feels real, but we have removed what makes us uncomfortable. 
Even if you recall a moment seconds later, one can debate that the memory was altered because others witnessed something different in their version of the story to tell based on the based on the perspectives they witnessed the moment from or experienced it in. Let's take something bold like slavery, for example. That was a pretty rough time in human history, but time changes how it's recalled. A slave owner may have followed the norm, viewing the choice as a prudent business move to make use of such a commodity of labor, but now holds guilt for the inhumanity that was pointed out after the fact. A slave might have felt slighted by the treatment they received, but then made friends with caring white folk and now remember it just being a time of life we thankfully moved beyond. Yet still, some hold strong feelings that they've held so long they gave it to every generation that followed in exaggeration for the effect of crucial warning. Doctors in many fields have studied the power the brain has to rearrange memories that produce many fascinating ways learned of how the brain functions. Famously, we discovered the brain can recall a smell during a stroke. Most tests point to a psychological preservation as the reasoning. The brain works as a separate entity from our body, like a robotic marionette, powered by the emotionally sensitive heart. Like a government would spread propaganda to get its people to act to its will, so does the brain, manipulating memories to have us respond as our soul, if you will, wants us to. I had many great memories with romantic partners that had not worked out well. To keep that joy, but not the pain associated with the person, my mind placed my current husband in the memory many times. I shared that memory, and he would say, it was not him. I was a teen. It couldn't have been. But for me, in the moment of recall, it was me wanting the same with him. There was no one left to challenge a memory as accurate. Then it becomes real. The entire way you present yourself in the story changes. People have been known to remember themselves as being a bully when they were the ones bullied, because all that remains of the truth is the anger that was felt when the memory at the time, when the memory is broken into small parts and presented as scattered pixels of information. Time, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> time will allow thoughts not wanted to be recalled or not triggered to be recalled to fade out of the picture altogether, locked in a dusty, rusty cabinet deep in the memory somewhere. For some, they lock away any parts of themselves that don't suit their needs, becoming a chameleon with no idea how to stand out authentically, showing all their colors. I lost myself in not being a burden. I built thousands of memories with thousands of people, and less than a handful of them are around now to recall the memory with me. Each of them remembers me completely different than any other. I was more of a master spy than a chameleon, though, blending in perfectly until I knew enough and then, bam, amaze you with my ability in a blinding display, and then poof, I was gone, moved on to a new thing. For many, the memory not even recorded by my mind beyond the skill I acquired. To understand how many people can perceive a, different, a moment differently, I like the analogy of the number six. 
If four people stood around and six drawn on the ground, the one to the north would see a six, the one to the south a nine, and the one to the east it would appear to be a B, and for the person who's standing on the west, perhaps they would see a parentheses. All would be right based on where they observed the source, but wrong to the other. Later, if a new person asks them to recall what they saw, they will do so from their perspective, even if they argued about it, because for them, it is fact. Only if they walk around the number will they understand it to be many things. Discussing history openly is like walking around the moment. My mom and I remember childhood very differently from each other. My mom remembers herself taking care of me like a caring mom would until I ran off happy wanting to spend my day with my dad. I remember it as being just enough care to be taken care of and being sent to dad to get out of her hair and occupied. I love my mom and consider myself to have had a good childhood, but differences like that set a clear divide throughout my, clear divide throughout my adult life. I forgave the variant, but she still tries to prove me wrong while unintentionally repeating the same behaviors. Stephen R. Conley said, well when instructing we must look at the lens through which we see the world as well as the world we see and that the lens itself shapes how we interpret the world it is our role in life to recognize and understand all the vestigial traits of a, of a historical moment recalled seeking the truth from the altered memories falsified presentations and variant of perspective allowing humanity to grow as intended from the lessons of the moment. History can reveal many truths and hide many lies. We must take onus ourselves to unlock the secrets it holds and learn the lessons it holds for us. History is what we have already lived, unchanging and gone, yet it affects us always. We chase feeling those joys again. We run as far as we can from all that hurt, but the memory lives immortally as an elder decision maker, sitting prominently at the emotional leader's table, managing our behaviors. Appreciate history for all it has to offer. Open your mind and wonder what will come of today when it is history. Will the history you experience, oh sorry, will you share with your generations all the sides of the story, the enmeshed ambivalence and the vestigial traits of the history you experienced, ensuring as much of it is truth is given to the new perceiver so they can use the information with optimal consideration. Teach your generations what you know, like feeding them fruits from your tree of knowledge, forever expanding the conscious mind. Yesterday is already history. Today will become history and tomorrow's history is in the making. Remember, the life you lived fondly and live it fully so you can share the most amazing book of life with all who follow in your footsteps and create new paths off the ones trodden over history. As I leave you to think on this topic, I challenge you to think about this mindfulness exercise until then as well. Think about your family and how history has been handed to you through their behaviors and adapted way of living. How do you feel about the history of humanity? What lessons of love and safety will you pass along to the next generation? How will you forgive the generations before you for trying to protect yours 
out of love, despite it no longer being necessary. I will close the conversation by drawing another card from the Positive Attitude Zone cards for short. And this question will be the opening question for next episode. The card drawn is pink for reflection, and the question is, what did you learn recently? We will get to that next week, but in the meantime, you can get your Positive Attitude Zone cards at graduatethrivers.com. That's spelled capital G, small R-A-D, capital U, small I-T, capital T, small H-R-I-B-E-R-S dot com. Stay wonderful, wholesome, happy, open-minded, and natural, and smile as much as you can. Take care until we talk again. This has been Heidi Hardy on the Mind Matters podcast, presented by A Light for Change. Have a great day.